Welcome back to another episode of Homeschool Talk with HCS. That's Heritage Christian School in San Diego. A private Christian home education umbrella program, or PSP, serving homeschooling families nationwide since 1988. I am the show producer, Lilia Sepulveda. Now please welcome your host, HCS Principal, Vicki Stermoen. Welcome to today's show. I'm your host, Vicki Stormowen, principal here at Heritage Christian School and fellow homeschooling mom of 28 years. For many of us, we have already officially launched our school year and are about now, hoping to quickly find a rhythm of getting everything done, tweaking schedules here and there to adjust as needed, solidifying carpools and chore charts to make it all work, and maybe missing those lazier days of summer that now seem like eons ago. Just relax, breathe. We all need a minute to adjust to the busyness of the homeschooling life now that it's all back up and running. Trust me, things won't look quite this harried in the months to come. I, for one, though, am thrilled to be back into the normal routine and schedule for both my kids and me. I feel like our house runs more smoothly when we're all productive, following some semblance of a schedule and having a consistent routine. I think the dog is even happier now because the chores, including feeding her, actually get done when they're supposed to get done and not whenever the spirit happens to move. Well, the start of the school year usually brings the normal comments from others about your educational choice for your children. So I thought this would be a good time of year to talk about some of those. So to do this, I'm going to rope in our producer, Lilia Sepulveda, and we are going to help you address some of those comments. So for the sake of time, we've sorted through different lists of typical comments made to homeschoolers, and we're going with our top four picks. So in no particular order... Lilia, can you please address the various versions of the, if you homeschool your kids, how will they ever get socialized question? Hi, everyone. Oh, yes, this is a fun question. All too popular. But let me ask you this. Did you ever have to write, I will not talk in class 100 times on a piece of paper or the chalkboard? I did. Did you ever have to sit alone on a desk island away from the students in the classroom because you talked too much? My girls did in the short time they were in public school anyways. The message I got from that was that you're not here to socialize. You're here to learn. And I agree with that statement. But why is it turned on homeschoolers? When it's learning time, we learn. When it's time to socialize, we meet friends at the park, the beach, the coffee shop, etc., That's why I'm so thankful that we found Heritage when we did, and we discovered a new world of homeschooling friends who we saw at class days, drama club, volleyball, yearbook, high school formals, and on and on, just like the public schools have, except my girls were around families with my same values, morals, and Christian belief. And of course, there's always club sports, youth youth groups, church ministry, and so much more. It's a matter of fact, It's not surprising that many homeschooling high schoolers find that since they're not at school for six to eight hours a day, they can take part-time jobs, which help them gain responsibility, and they learn to interact with adults, not just their peers. With all that said, I believe that this socializing myth has been debunked for so long by now that if someone is still asking it, it's because they're seriously misinformed. 
So speaking of misinformation, Vicky, I was once firmly told by a person I held in high esteem at the time and who was employed by the public school district, your girls will never get into college. I'm sorry, but that's just the way it is. So how do you respond to that comment? This is simply not a true statement. Um, Even from public sources like ivyscholars.com, they say, quote, homeschooled students with achievement, achievement and test scores on par with traditional applicants are accepted at approximately the same rate. The eight colleges that make up the infamous Ivy League all accept applications from homeschooled students. Our own HCS students have been accepted into everything, literally, um, CSUs, UCs, Ivy Leagues, even the Air Force Academy, um, along with scores of private colleges with no problems. In fact, particularly in the private college world, homeschoolers are being actively recruited and given additional scholarships simply for having been homeschooled. The admissions offices are far more interested in your transcript, test scores, and GPA than whether or not you were homeschooled. And from a personal perspective, of the seven kids that we've graduated from Heritage so far, we've had two go straight to a private college, one to a private um, a Bible college, and four go the um, junior college state university route. So short answer, yes, homeschooled students can and do get into college. Okay, next question. Lilia, you're not a teacher. How can you homeschool your kids? That's a loaded question, so I'll try to keep it short. First, I'd like to, uh, however, tip my head off to those credentialed teachers out there who have spent years preparing to be a teacher and have actually taught in the public school system and then said, this is not what I want for my own kids. I'm going to homeschool them. I meet them all the time, and I really admire their decision. With that said, no, I'm not a teacher by a trade, and I don't even have a college degree. And there's a really good reason for that, though. I love to learn, but I really dislike school. Should I be saying that out loud? (laughs) Yes, you should. (laughs) If my students are listening, I can explain, I promise. But maybe that can be another podcast. So while I'm not a teacher by trade, I'm a teacher by design. We are all teachers by God's design. He wired us with that motherly instinct to care for our children, to nurture them, to guide them, to teach them. And he left us written instructions through his word, the Bible. So, Vicki, let me ask you, how old were you when you had your first child? 21. You were way young. (laughs) I was 24. (laughs) Think about it. That new tiny human was helpless. Her brain wasn't fully developed. She couldn't talk. She couldn't uh, tell you what was wrong, what was bothering her. She probably just screamed and cried a lot. (laughs) Or maybe that was just my child. (laughs) She couldn't feed herself, bathe herself, or do anything herself. I remember my brothers were so afraid to hold my baby because they said she was like slippery jello that may fall out of their arms if they weren't careful. Yet... Without hesitation, the doctors actually let us take our baby home. Did you take your baby home? I did take my baby home. At 21. (laughs) Wow. She wasn't 21. I was 21. (laughs) I think we got that. Just clarifying. (laughs) I didn't didn't have to show any credentials or prove that I was trained or capable of raising this tiny human. They trusted this 24-year-old, or in Vicky's case, 21 years old, with someone's life. That's when homeschooling started. 
I taught her how to crawl, then walk, talk, how to hold a spoon, how to tie her shoes, how to brush her teeth. That took a while. How to say please and thank you. I taught her the alphabet, numbers, colors, shapes. I didn't have to contact any professionals to do any of this for me. My husband and I did it. But when she turns five years old, suddenly society tells me that I'm not qualified to teach her any longer. It's a fact that a child's brain goes through the most developmental stages from birth to five years of age. By that time, I already did the hard part. How was I able to do that? Because I was wired by God to do so. If I can trust that God has my back, I can trust myself to teach my children. Mm. Curriculum was a minor issue for me all the time, although it's super fun. I love picking out new curriculum each year. But really, there's tons of it out there, and it tells me exactly how to teach it. I never stressed over that. Don't get me wrong. I know my limitations, so I did use co-ops. I contracted teachers, even community colleges for certain subjects, and teach them diligently, who will have a convention in San Diego um, shortly here in October, and we're really excited about it. I had a recent post that said, Homeschooling doesn't mean you have to teach everything. It just means you decide what is taught, how it is taught, and by whom it is taught. As a mom, I always want the best for my children. I know each of their strengths and weaknesses better than anyone else. I know that God created them with a purpose for their life. Who better to pour into their mind and soul on a daily basis than my husband and I, to help equip them to reach their purpose. I've said it a hundred times. Homeschooling is not something we do. It's not another task. It's who we are. It's how we do life. When you embrace that concept, you realize you are teaching every day. Which leads me to our next question, Vicki. What's your response to the comment But if you homeschool your kids, you're just going to indoctrinate them with your beliefs and they won't know how to function in our society. I really love this one. Like, seriously, I love it when people in the public school system worry that I may be indoctrinating my kids. (laughs) Seriously, (laughs) kids in public school are learning that there's what, about 17 different genders. God is a myth. The Bible's just literature. Whatever science is declared to be at the moment must be followed unquestioningly. Parents are not to be told about certain medical decisions because kids know best completely undermining parental authority and structure. Christianity is belittled and not tolerated on any campus. Truth is relative. Western thought and morality is bigoted, racist, and phobic in one way or another. And I'm the one indoctrinating my kids? (laughs) Okay, fine. You bet I am (laughs) to believe the opposite of all of that. Literally from a biblical perspective, though, indoctrinating our kids is a God-given command. We are absolutely supposed to be instructing our kids about God about the Bible, about his morality, about truth as defined by God, about how to function according to his standards. Our goal as Christian parents isn't to instruct our kids about how to fit in this society. We're pilgrims here. This is not our home. We are training them to glorify God in everything they do. We are teaching them to think godly, to think biblically, to be ready to always give an answer for the hope that is in them. 
We don't want them to blend in with a godless society. We want them to know how to confront a godless society with the gospel and live a life that honors and glorifies him. And yes, that is absolutely what we teach them because we answer to God, not our society. And he has already laid out exactly how he wants us to indoctrinate them. Amen. So there are many other comments you will hear on this journey, and maybe we'll do another show where we address ones you're hearing. If you have suggestions of what you'd like to hear a response for, shoot us an email at podcast at hcssd.org, and we will collect those and revisit this another time. Now let's get into the bulk of this episode. With this current wave of families exiting the public schools, there's a comment that we hear often, and that is the false suggestion that homeschooling is somehow a new or relatively new movement. And wouldn't it be better to entrust your kids to the public school system with their vast experience in history? So comments that fall into this category display a complete lack of understanding or education of the history of America's public school system. So we are going to do a really brief tour. Um, Homeschooling isn't the new kid on the block. Public school is the experiment, and that experiment hasn't been going so well. So let's just take a very short, abbreviated look at how public schools came to be here in America and where things stand today. It wasn't until the 1800s that public schools, as we think of them, came to be a thing here. And even then, it was very different than what we have today. Think Little House on the Prairie with one-room schoolhouses for all ages and grades until around the age of 14, at which point, at which point you graduate, graduated, that was after eighth grade, and you either moved on to higher education at that point, or you worked in your chosen trade, or you took over your family farm, or whatever. Education was not compulsory, and they were mainly church-supported. And there was a heavy focus on the three R's, reading, writing, and arithmetic. And the stated reason for teaching children to read was so, literally, this is why all schools said they needed to teach children to read, so they could read the Bible. These schools were not available throughout America, and so education outside of the home was not possible for the majority of the country during this time. Things took a radical change in the 1830s, primarily through the influence and teachings of Horace Mann. Mann, who was very influenced by Thomas Jefferson's thoughts on education, pushed for the creation of common schools, and that's what we now call public schools. Common schools would be funded by the state, controlled by the state, and available to all children with the goal of transforming children into literate, moral, productive citizens, which would then benefit the country as a whole. So this, of course, needed to be accomplished at a state level because the federal government was not granted power over education in the Constitution. Man's vision for education and one of his many significant changes to how education was conducted was the abolishment of the one-room schoolhouse model. He advocated for the separation of students by age and by grade um, and expanded the scope of subjects that were going to be covered beyond the three R's to include things like history, geography, rhetoric, and interestingly, morality. So there is a lot we could say about Horace Mann. And the worldview that he brought into this picture, spoiler, it was not a biblical one. (laughs) But let's fast forward a bit to the other really big name in the public education landscape, and that was John Dewey. So John Dewey is known as the father of progressive education. He was a prolific writer about public education, and in his writings, 
He basically advocates for a, a completely new vision for public education, which was to produce the mass mind, or another way he referred to it was the pooled intelligence of the democratic mind. Education, in his view, wasn't about necessarily the individual. It was about creating socially accepted citizens thinking and acting as a group, not merely as individuals. He strongly opposed classical curriculum and languages, and as a self-described liberal humanist, he rejected any form of Christianity being taught in school. His philosophy literally reshaped the curriculum in public schools for many years. The spread of his ideas was very slow, but steady. And as public education grew, not only in availability, but extending the amount of time that one must spend there, his influence and teachings found a very captive audience. So jump ahead to another significant year in public education, and that's 1983. Yes, I realize that was a huge leap, but we're just taking a cursory look here. But in 1983, the Bombshell Report, A Nation at Risk, was released, detailing the dismal state of the academic advancement the public schools were producing. It was the first time an analysis of that magnitude was made focusing on the experiment of public education. And the results were sobering. And not surprisingly, coincides with the explosion of the Christian school movement and really the return of the homeschooling movement. And I say return because, remember, before man's common schools, before they became a thing, the majority of America was already homeschooling or dame schooling, which was what we would call, I guess, micro-schooling today or co-oping via the one-room schoolhouse. Um, since that report, though, A Nation at Risk, a lot of legislation and money has been thrown at the public school system in an attempt to course-correct. But a quick Google search will show you that the public school system is still ranking pretty low on the worldwide scale academically. And I'm not even touching, in this show anyway, the whole social and political aspect of public schools. I'm just talking about academics. Well, you may be saying that doesn't mean homeschooling is doing any better. Has there been any kind of in-depth analysis on, home, on how homeschoolers rate academically? I'm so glad you asked. So the National Home Education Research Institute, that was a mouthful. Um, we refer to it as NERI, N-H-E-R-I, NERI. NERI has been tracking and researching and reporting on the success of homeschooling for over 30 years now. And you can find all their stats and their very well-documented research reports on their website, which is NERI.org, N-H-E-R-I.org. But the bottom line is overwhelmingly positive, showing higher test scores, higher academic achievement, and higher success post-high school settings. So am I saying that if you homeschool your kid, they're going to score higher on their SAT? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that overall, when you look at the statistics and research, homeschooling as a whole shows higher results than their public school counterparts. So that was your very brief history of public education <laughs> that could obviously be an entire series and include much more information than I did. I left out hundreds of years in there. But if anyone tries to scare you from the quote unquote experiment of homeschooling, I just wanted you to have some information at your disposal to have that conversation based on real facts. And now for the HCS Happenings portion of the show. We have a Bunko Night in honor of new moms happening on Tuesday, October 4th. This will be a fun night of food fellowship and introducing um, new moms, not to mention, of course, the ever-competitive, highly-skilled game of Bunko. 
And if you've never played Bunko, that was dripping with sarcasm. <laughs> there will be a lot of prizes and a great opportunity to meet some new moms. So I encourage all you moms, whether new or old, old to HCS, not an age comment, to come out for that. So the sign up for that is on HSL. If you um, Also, if you missed picture day, you still have one remaining opportunity to be pictured in the yearbook and receive both student and teacher ID cards. Makeup Picture Day is happening on October 21st, so keep that on your calendars. The annual course of study is due on October 1st. There are several opportunities to get help with this. Um, I'm at Academy and I'm available to help you during first period. I teach um, second through fourth period, so um, first period though, I'm just sitting there waiting to help you with your course of study. <laughs> um, I'm also at EC the entire time. You can get help there. Tracy West is at DC and she can help you the entire time there. We also have a um, course of study entering party in the office um, where you can just come in anytime that day and sit down with someone on staff and enter that together. And that's happening on September 30th. So in case you have not heard, um, in response to requests for a day at the office to stay open past three, we have now changed our schedule. And now every Thursday, the office will be open from 12 to 5. We also are now open on Fridays. For the normal 10 to 3 hours, um, which is new. The office hasn't been open five days a week for a very long time. In closing, as a practical takeaway for this show, now that you've been in school for a couple of weeks or so, I want you to take a fresh look at whatever schedule you have set and evaluate whether or not that is really working for you or whether or not it's realistic for you. Remember, homeschooling will look different from house to house. There are no right hours to homeschool. It doesn't have to happen in the morning. If you're feeling stressed out about your schedule because you're trying to start at eight or nine, like you think you're supposed to, but you have other morning commitments or you have a house full of well, let's just say not morning people, <laughs> it may be worth relooking at your schedule. Your school day can start whenever you want it to start, whenever you need it to start. And if you're not able to get it all done in one block of time, then don't. Have two blocks of time and do whatever you need to do in the in-between time. In other words, if what you're attempting to do isn't working, change it up. Schools can start at three o'clock and still be school. You are completely in charge of your own schedule. Make it work for you, not the other way around. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for listening and have a great day.